Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. I'm Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, welcoming you once again to this conversation about practical issues related to ministry leadership. If you're new to the podcast, remember this is not so much a preaching or a teaching venue for me as it is a conversation about practical issues, the practical side of what it means to be a ministry leader today. Now today on the podcast, I want to address the issue of sacrificing for the sake of the gospel. A number of years ago, I had an incident, a conversation really, in which the question, what is a sacrifice, was raised. And I did not have a ready or a clear answer to give to this person who was asking me a very serious question about his own spiritual development and about his participation in a particular project that our church had going on at the time. He was asking me, What will a sacrifice look like for me at this place in my life in this particular context of ministry? That put me on a path of thinking about the answer to that question. What is a sacrifice? And then broader questions like, is it appropriate to sacrifice for the gospel? Is it appropriate to challenge other people to make sacrifices for the gospel? And How does a person like me who lives a privileged life, I mean, today I'm sitting here in a beautiful seminary campus in an air-conditioned and heated building. I had a nice lunch. Uh, I'm wearing comfortable clothing. I have people around me that are supportive and serve and take care of the needs that I have as a president. How is it that a person like me with a privileged life like the one I have knows anything about sacrifice, or can even talk about a subject like this? Well, if these are some of the same questions you've had along the way, maybe the podcast today will help. Sacrificing for the sake of the gospel. Jesus both modeled sacrifice and called people to make sacrifices. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul wrote a stirring description of the great sacrifice Jesus Christ made to come and live among us. He said, Make your attitude that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. This passage teaches us that Jesus modeled self-emptying sacrifice by coming to earth and making our salvation possible. Jesus gave up privilege and position for the good of others. He set aside his status and his most meaningful relationship, his relationship with God, his Father, and perhaps even other relationships with angelic or spirit beings in the heavenlies. He sacrificed those to meet our greatest need. Jesus abased himself by going through the birth process and then experiencing a brutal, undeserved death. In all of these ways, Jesus modeled sacrifice. And then Jesus demanded sacrifice. He asked his followers to sacrifice. For example, in the 
famous story in Luke chapter 5 where Jesus encounters his disciples and calls them to leave fishing and become fishers of men. Jesus challenges his followers to leave their livelihood, leave behind their status and identity in the community, give up their future security when they abandoned their boats on that seashore or that lakeshore that day. Jesus demanded his followers make sacrifices on his behalf. Beyond that, Jesus asks for sacrifice in other ways and in other contexts. In Matthew 6:11, Jesus asks us to forsake pursuing worldly gain and trust him for, as the Bible describes it, our daily bread. In Matthew 6:19 through 21, Jesus calls us to work for eternal rewards and sacrifice to achieve them not just to build a temporal kingdom in this world that won't last. In Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 46, Jesus asks us to give up our identity, to sacrifice who we are, and to adopt a new identity in him, defined by our relationship with him. And then Jesus even asks us to bear a new name and to carry with it the sacrifice of adopting the name Christian, and defining our core identity as being disciples of Jesus. So Jesus both modeled sacrifice and demanded it of his followers. Well, that's a good foundation to help us understand the importance of this issue, but it really doesn't yet answer the question, what is a sacrifice? What does it look like to sacrifice in a particular context or at a particular season or time of life? Let's see if we can get to the answers to those questions. As I've tried to describe what it means to make a sacrifice, two important words have been helpful. First of all, sacrifice is personal. And then second, sacrifice is proportional. What do I mean when I say that sacrifice is personal? Well, what I mean by that essentially is that what is a sacrifice for one person really isn't a sacrifice for another person. And what one person might think of as a great sacrifice, another person might not feel like is a sacrifice at all. Let me illustrate it this way. A number of years ago, I met a couple that are serving in a Brazilian jungle in a place so remote that they were only able to see other Anglo missionaries and English-speaking missionaries once a year. So for 50, 50, 51 weeks a year, they lived with their children in a remote jungle enclave, completely isolated and cut off from almost every other contact in the world, they were making, in my mind, a huge sacrifice. Well, I compare that to how people thought of my wife making the sacrifice when we simply moved just to Oregon. When we were living in the Midwest, we made the decision that God wanted us to move to Portland, Oregon to plant a new church. When we announced this, the response was quite interesting. There were people in our church who thought we were going as far away as those missionaries in that Brazilian jungle. They said things to my wife like, oh, we can't believe you would take your 
children and raise them in that godless place. Oh, we can't believe that you would move so far away from your family. Oh, we can't believe that you would go to some place that's so far removed from Christian culture, particularly Bible Belt culture here in the United States. Well, my wife tried to not smile when these comments were made and tried to take them seriously and to give them the deference that they were due and to acknowledge that people were just simply trying to be kind. But quite honestly, moving to Oregon was no sacrifice at all for my wife. She's told me the story many times of her childhood experience as a 12-year-old girl when she felt that God was calling her to missions. And up until the point that we moved to Oregon, she had never made the concrete step of actually moving to what she considered a mission field and doing something that was purely missional in its, uh, in its outreach or in its expectation. But when we decided to move to Oregon, she felt she was fulfilling a commitment that she had made as a girl and was actually finally going to the mission field. There was no sacrifice in that for her, just great joy in finally getting to do it. And then what many people didn't realize is that Anne comes from a very small family, and many, uh, uh, some of the people in her family that were the most committed Christians lived, guess where? In Portland, Oregon. And so we weren't moving away from her family. We were actually moving to be near some of the most committed, dynamic, and wonderful Christians in her family, and frankly, that I've ever known. She was getting to move near them. So while people were commiserating with her, oh, you're going to move so far from family. Oh, you're moving so far from the center of God's work in our country. Oh, you're moving to a godless place where there's so little reference to God or the gospel. My wife, on the other hand, wasn't hearing it at all as a sacrifice, but was instead finally getting to obey God with the commitment she had made as a child and getting to move closer to her family and celebrating that as well. So what looked like a sacrifice to some really wasn't a sacrifice for her at all. That's because sacrifice is personal. What looks like a sacrifice to one person really isn't. And what feels like a sacrifice to some people, for others, isn't a sacrifice at all. Now, move the story along a few years. There came a time when the seminary relocated from the Bay Area here to Southern California. And my wife, who's talked openly about this, so I'm not speaking out of school here on the podcast, my wife really struggled with that relocation. Now, she was not opposed to the seminary relocating. She saw the wisdom of it. She saw the value in it. She was glad that we were making the decision on one level, but Anne was deeply involved at a church in the San Francisco Bay Area and was having to step away from that ministry and all that it had come to mean to her over the years. She was also having to step away from living on a campus and having the hosting responsibilities that go along with that and the privilege of having so many people in our home on such a regular basis. She loved doing both of those things, her investment in the church in the Bay Area her investment through hospitality in the seminary and in the work we were doing on our campus. Well, 
We've moved to Southern California and certainly joined a new church and certainly found new ways to express hospitality. But that relocation from our wife was a very significant sacrifice. It really blindsided her for a while because she didn't understand all the emotion that she was feeling. But then she finally processed to the point of understanding that because what she was being asked to do was costing her on such a personal level that it really was a sacrifice for her. Sacrifice is personal. What is a sacrifice for one person doesn't even feel like it for another person. And what you may think is a sacrifice for someone, they might say back to you, didn't really matter at all. So I'm going to challenge you as you're thinking about following Jesus as he models sacrifice and responding to Jesus as he calls for sacrifice to not be too judgmental about what a sacrifice has to be, what it has to look like, or how it has to feel for other people. Think about it more personally. What does it feel like to make a sacrifice when you give up something that really costs you? Now, a few minutes ago, I said, There's a second word, and that's the word proportional. Sacrifice is proportional. Now, this is shown in several ways. Uh, In, first of all, the Bible, proportional giving is presented as the norm, and that's the way people are expected to give because of the way that God's economy is set up. But even beyond that in the Bible, when people gave generously out of the smallness of what they had, like the woman who gave the two small coins, she's affirmed for her generosity and sacrifice in giving. Beyond these uh, biblical examples, a very popular phrase that's often used in church building programs is the phrase, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. So there again, we're talking about proportionality that what is a sacrifice for one person may not be a sacrifice for another person because they're giving out of different resource bases. And whether they're giving out of different resource bases financially or in some other way, they're all not the same. Sacrifice is proportional. Now, I've had many conversations with people about this over the years. Let me just narrate one or two A person came to me once and said, we're building a building in our church and I've been asked to make a sacrificial gift. He said, I'm not sure how to do that. I could write a check, he said, for the entire project, but I really don't feel like that's what God wants me to do because I think the whole church needs to share in the victory of giving the money to build this facility. But I do want to make a generous gift and I want to make a gift that is significant enough that I notice it and that it costs me something, a proportional gift. So while his gift, if I had made it, would have been multiple times my annual salary, his gift was instead a proportional gift that he was struggling to even feel like achieve the level of being a sacrifice. So remember, sacrifice is proportional. It's in relationship to what we have, but it's also in relationship to what it costs us to give the gift or to make the sacrifice, and it's also in proportion to what we have and the amount of resource we're giving from in that context. Another church building program story, 
uh, I actually have some friends that were involved in this project. They were building a church facility, and the chairman, uh, the chair couple, if you will, of the capital campaign stood up on a Sunday to explain their gift and their gifting decision and to ask the church to give generously. And they told a story, I'll just summarize it here, but they told a story of saving money for 25 years for a major 25th wedding anniversary uh, cruise or trip or vacation. They narrated in the story that they didn't have a honeymoon, they got married and were dirt poor, barely had two cents to rub together, that kind of thing. And over 25 years had saved quite a bit of money toward their dream vacation, their honeymoon, their 25th wedding anniversary. But they said on the day of the giving campaign, they weren't going to take that trip. That while it was the finally, finally the year of their 25th uh, anniversary of their marriage, they decided instead of taking a trip to give that money to the church building fund. That gift was definitely definitely a proportional sacrifice. They gave out of what they had, yes, but they gave all they had in that particular fund, and they gave something that had profound emotional attachment for them. So while others in the project actually gave more money, it's really hard to imagine anyone who made more of a sacrifice because sacrifice is proportional. It's proportional to the resources we have in the moment. It's proportional to the faith that we're expressing in the moment and how much we have in that context. And it's also proportional in the sense of what it actually costs us and what we have left over when we're finished making the gift. So here's what we've said so far. Jesus modeled sacrifice. And then he taught his followers and called us to make sacrifices. What then is a sacrifice? Well, it's an act of obedience in which we give up something which is both personal and proportional, which makes it a sacrifice. Now let me talk more specifically about two or three areas where sacrifice is often seen. First, what does it mean to sacrifice your money? Well, certainly it means to give more than a tithe of your income away to Christian work. You may say, well, I think that's uh, tithing is Old Testament and we should be practicing grace giving. And I couldn't agree with that more. As long as what you mean by that is that we're going to give out of grace more than the law demanded. You know, every time grace exceeds law in the New Testament, every time grace exceeds law, it fills it full and saturates it to the point of overflowing. That's the way the process works for grace to overcome law. So one measure of sacrifice in giving is giving beyond the law and giving by grace more than a tenth of our income away. In addition to that, Sacrificial giving often involves giving alms, meaning by that giving gifts to the poor without regard for how they might be noticed or how they might be credited. This is giving money to help people that no, never shows up on your tax return or shows up on those uh, reports that tell you how much you gave away that year. Just an opportunity for you to make a sacrifice and to give a gift following that biblical, that the spirit of that biblical giving pattern, not the right hand knowing what the left hand is doing, 
That's almsgiving where you're taking care to meet the needs of people without any regard for how it's going to reflect back on you. But you know, there's one other way I would suggest that you might think about giving that would really help you to understand the concept of sacrifice in this context. And that is to give away a prized possession. The first time this happened to me, I was in a worship service and a pastor was preaching and telling a story of giving away a very valuable ring. Now, I found that to be an interesting uh, message that night because I had been saving for months to buy Anne an engagement ring. And in the context of that worship service that night, I felt God spoke to me and told me to give my ring money away. This was a very difficult process for me to finalize. I didn't want to give the ring money away. I wanted to hold on to it. I wanted to use it to ask Anne to marry me in just a few subsequent months that was going to go by. I was getting ready to make that commitment, and I wanted to have that ring in hand. But very clearly, God prompted me in that worship service to follow the example of the speaker who had given away this ring as very prized possession and challenged me to give my ring money away that night. So I found a friend, his name was Jimmy, and he was struggling to pay his way through college, and I gave him my ring money and trusted that God would take care of me in the context of doing that, and at the appropriate time, he would allow me to have the money I needed to get a ring and ask Ann to marry me. Well, you already know how that story turned out. 42 years now, we've been married, so yes, God did replenish my supply. Yes, I did ask my wife to marry me. And yes, we have moved on for all these many years together. But I go back to the first time in my life that God asked me to give away what I call a prized possession, something that really mattered to me. God asked me to give it away, and I did. And it was a moment of sacrifice that opened up doors of opportunity for me to grow and to learn and to experience his blessing in ways I could have never imagined. So one way to make a sacrifice that's both personal and proportional is to give away your money. But another way is to sacrifice relationships. Now that may be puzzling to you because you may wonder, is there ever a time to sacrifice a relationship for the sake of the gospel? Well, the answer is definitely yes. You know, Jesus once said in Matthew 19, 29, and everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters, father or mother, children or fields because of my name will receive a hundred times more and will inherit eternal life. And then when asked about his family on one occasion, uh, many of whom were actually his followers, Jesus said, this was in Matthew 12, 48, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, that person is my brother and sister and mother. You know, relational sacrifice means that we set aside some relational commitments and priorities for the sake of the gospel. It says in these passages that we must be willing to leave father, mother, brother, sister, move away from any of these that we might be able to sacrifice even those close relationships for the gospel. And so one way of making a relational sacrifice is moving far away from your family for the sake of the gospel. You know, our family does not live uh, close together. 
I have a son that lives in Washington, D.C., a daughter and a son-in-law who live in Wyoming, and a son and daughter-in-law that live in Oregon. And I'm delighted that in each one of these cases, all three of these households are invested in expanding the kingdom of God and in growing God's people and in doing good in our world. And I have to be honest with you, there's some days when that kind of relational distance is not that fun. It wears on me. I'd really like to be close enough to take my, ch- my uh, grandchildren out for an ice cream in the afternoon. I'd really like to be close enough to just, at the drop of a hat, be able to provide a little child care for some parents who had a conflicting engagement. I'd really like to be able to do those things. But that's not the family life that we're privileged to enjoy. So one of the sacrifices we've had to make is the willingness to sacrifice living close by our children and our grandchildren for the sake of the gospel. Now, this sacrificing of relational closeness in our context means that our Christian children have moved away and started lives of their own, and they're serving in their churches, and they're doing good things, and there's a, there's a sense of loss about that, which is a result of our sacrifice. But you know, there's another way this happens as well, which is a lot more painful. And that is when a couple or a person decides to follow Jesus Christ and people around that person reject them because of their decision. This is especially painful when that rejection is from brothers or sisters or from parents or other family members. Back when I was working as the chaplain of the San Francisco Giants, I dealt with one of these situations. We had a player on the Giants who was a very committed Christian. Uh, His wife also very, very committed to the Lord. They had been married at the time they uh, came in connection with my ministry for about eight to ten years. They uh, were not only strong in their marriage, but he was very strong in the game, and they were highly regarded, looked up to by many. But they had a secret pain they bore, which they shared with me as their chaplain. This man, when he married this woman, caused her parents to turn against them as a couple. Her parents said, if you marry this man and you follow him in his wild religious ideas, being a Christian, we're done with you. And they made good on their word. And they had two children that would have been their grandchildren that they had never seen. And this couple talked with me about the pain, the relational pain of sacrificing a relationship with this woman's parents because they made the decision, if you marry this man, follow his, quote, weird religion, really commit your life to being a Christian, we're done with you. And they were, and as far as I know, they they still are. Sometimes relational sacrifice means not just living at a distance from your Christian relatives, but it means being separated from people who simply reject you because of your relationship to God through Jesus. Well, sacrificing money and sacrificing relationships 
are just two of the ways that we find ourselves sacrificing for the gospel. You know, if there were more time on the podcast today, I could talk about sacrificing time. We could also talk about sacrificing privilege. We could talk about sacrificing these things which are so dear to us, and yet we're willing to give them up for the sake of the gospel. Now today, I realize many of you who are listening to this podcast have already made many sacrifices for the gospel. So my point today is not to condemn you or to tell you to go and do more. It's instead to encourage you and to let you know that Jesus, who modeled sacrifice and called his people to sacrifice, still expects us to sacrifice for the gospel. But don't be judgmental. Don't tell another person what a sacrifice is for them because sacrifice is personal and proportional. Sacrifice is personal, like my wife who didn't really sacrifice to move to Oregon, although everyone thought that's what she was doing, but then wound up making a significant sacrifice when the seminary relocated and many others wondered what the real problem was when all we were doing was just moving down the road in one state like California. You get the idea. Sacrifice is personal, but it's also proportional. It really doesn't matter uh, how big the gift or how much time you've devoted or how much relationship you lost. That really, it only takes value in proportion to what you had in the first place or in what you have left over after the sacrifice is made. Today, I want to encourage you to sacrifice for the gospel, to make a personal and a proportional sacrifice to do the work that God has called us to do. And to do it, not grudgingly, but willingly, openly, without rancor or resentment, believing that you're following the example of one who made a great sacrifice on your behalf and you're responding to the teachings of one who has the authority, the power, and the right to call you to sacrifice on his behalf. Put this into practice today. Do it well as you lead on.